We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Mondays, so you know what we do on Mondays. We bring in James McCool. It's Mondays with McCool, James McCool from Pay Dirt DFS, as well as the co-author of The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Sorry we're late for the, for the YouTube chat people. Uh, we, record a lot, we record a lot of NFL content, so you got some showdown stuff for the premium members. Uh, feel free to sign up for uh, Roto-Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. But give me those thummy thumbs here in the morning. It's a Monday. If you had a good Monday or a bad Monday, whichever whichever thumb you want to give, doesn't matter. I see you guys in the chat. Feel free to type in there if you'd like. Uh, we're going to review a little bit about yesterday's slate uh, with James. And uh, I, I, I tweeted out, James, yesterday that, that like a minus 17% ROI, I feel like I got out with an accomplishment. It really, it really all came down to just like my DK cash lineup. I mean, like I did fine on FanDuel. I did fine on every slate on DraftKings other than the main slate. I did the early only. Just came down to uh, like a 3v3 in my DK cash lineup that forced me to the swap. And the, the swap didn't work. Like the, to me in cash games, if you're going to consider swapping – like you swap for the afternoon games if you're if you're if you believe you're behind 
in your double ups and head to heads and everything. Uh, to me, the worst feeling is swapping and then finding out that if you stayed pat, you would have gotten there. But I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to be able to get there. So, like, even though my swap didn't work, had I stayed pat, it wouldn't have worked either. So, like, to me, like, what else am I supposed to do? And I don't think there would have been any, based on the results that happened, there wouldn't have been any swap. Because obviously I'm swapping off a of Madison and I'm swapping off a of cup, cup. And they both put up 25 and 30 points. So like, there's nothing, there's nothing I could have done. So if you take a look at my cash lineup and go, why is Leonard Fournette in your cash lineup? Like that, that wasn't originally there. Right. So outside of that, like my GPP stuff was uh, like, I was, all my lineups were like perfect other than one spot. And then of course they get up to like 192 and they're like, you can't, you can't, it's like, I'm sitting there going, okay, I got Josh Allen double stack. I got uh, Antonio Gibson in this lineup. I got Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Mike Williams. And then what where's where's oh Robert Woods one off? Oh, oh, whoops. And and a defense that only scored three points instead of 12 or 20 or something. And like, oh, and then I go to the next lineup. It's like, okay, I've got Najee Harrison here with with Jamar Chase. I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. And it's like, oh, Mike Davis is at running back. Oh, damn it. Damn it. It's like this is one guy that's a, like, in all the lineups. Like I have Cooper Cup in a lineup. So I got I got Cooper Cup. I got Chris Godwin, who didn't do all that well. And it's just like, okay, now let me piece it together. And then it's like, oh, Joe Mixon's in this lineup. It's like, damn it. <laughs> he didn't get there either. So, so James, for, for how, how, how was your uh, main slate generally yesterday? Uh, main slate was okay. I, I talked a little bit in the Discord about my lineups. I had a Chargers lineup. I had an Arizona lineup. And I had a Minnesota lineup. Um, I cashed the Chargers lineup. I did not cash the other two. So I don't know, like uh, down, what, like 50% on the day or something like that? Did you, did you double stack the Chargers? Did you do, what, a double stack with Mike Williams? Yeah, yeah. So I did Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I brought it back to Travis Kelsey, which whenever well, I have. expensive. Who the hell did you fit in that lineup? So at, at running back, I had uh, Sony Michelle and Saquon Barkley. And then at my flex, I had uh, Will Fuller. And at wide receiver, I had Brian Edwards. Then I had the Titans defense. Okay. So secondary correlation of that Las Vegas-Miami game, which ended up working out pretty well. Um, Brian Edwards goes Super Saiyan in overtime every single time they play overtime. So that was nice. Uh, Will Fuller didn't end up getting there. Titans defense was meh. Um, that line, that lineup was looking really, really good going into late games, having Sonia Michelle, Brian Edwards, uh, and Will Fuller left to go. Thought there was quite a bit of upside um, remaining with those pieces, especially since I knew they were going to be like 1% owned. Nobody was going to be getting anything from, from uh, Brian Edwards and Will Fuller in those later games. So uh, I felt pretty good about it going into late games. Of course, uh, Cooper Cup destroyed me, which whatever. Um well, if but, you're gonna play three lineups, I'm assuming you just you're just not gonna play any part of that 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 Rams Bucks game. Uh, I had Robert Woods and Rob Gronkowski as secondary correlation in one of them in my Arizona stack, but I did not have Cooper Cup. I had Robert Woods as leverage off Cooper Cup. Um, but no, I didn't. I didn't want to stack that. I mostly just wanted to attack the running game with Sony Michelle because I thought Sony Michelle was way undervalued this week. He came in at like four percent owned in the power sweep. Um, I wanted to make sure that I had some sort of leverage off Cooper cup. I want to make sure that I had some sort of leverage off of Chris Godwin. 
Uh, I, I just didn't play much of the chalk in that game. I thought there were other games that were better to attack. Like I really, really liked that, that chargers and Kansas city game. I thought that game was way better than the Tampa Bay and Rams game. Um, so I wanted that. I had leverage, direct leverage with a Minnesota lineup off of Madison, who I did not, I, I didn't think he was only going to be 20% out. I figured he was going to be way higher than that. Uh, I was proven wrong there, I guess, but I had Minnesota's direct leverage. And then for the Arizona lineup, I did actually have Alexander Madison in that lineup. That, that was actually my chalkiest lineup. I talked about it earlier today with, uh, with subscribers, but uh, my Arizona lineup, had I not had such low ownership on the Arizona lineup, I would have considered it a bad lineup. Like I had Alexander Madison and Austin Eckler as my running backs came in 20% and 25%. I had Marvin Jones Jr. who was 16%. I had Robert Woods at 17%. I had the Titans at 18%. If it weren't for Kyler Murray being nine, Christian Kirk being three and AJ Green being one, like I think that lineup sucks for GPPs, but I right, was right, able but to- you're, you're able to build around the chalk there. Like, like Kyle, no, I skated by. Murray, I skated right, by. Murray plus Green plus Kirk means you could pretty much do whatever the hell you want with the rest right. of the lineup. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I mean. Um, because I had such low ownership on my actual stack and I avoided DeAndre Hopkins and I had AJ Green who put up 20 fantasy points at 1% owned, I don't care about the rest of the chalk. But like if like say Christian Kirk for whatever reason is like 20% owned, I wouldn't have been happy with that lineup. Even with 1% AJ Green, like I, I wouldn't have been happy with that many players being around 20% owned in a lineup. I, I just never liked to have that. Right. But you knew that Christian Kirk at whatever, 5K or something right. was never, was never no. going to be that owned anyway. But I didn't, I didn't think that Austin Eckler was going to be 25%. Owned. I thought Eckler was going to be around 15%. Owned. I, I was pretty, I was pretty surprised with the ownership on Eckler. I, 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 w- I was, yeah, the Eckler ownership, I knew he was going to be owned. Uh, there, there were some some places showing him at single digit, and I'm like, that, that no. ain't going to happen. I had him like 16%. Pretty much exactly where I had him. I, I, had, I had no running back over 20% in my projection. Now, I, now I'm doing my projections for the slant. Mm-hmm. So, like, but if we take a look at even the spot, like the spy, Ockler's 28, Barkley's 26. Like that's obviously a single entry contest, but we go to the we go to the the hunt the, the 555 milli. Barkley's 22. Clyde Edwards Alaire's 22. Madison's 22. We go to the regular milli, and uh, there's no the, the only two players, the only players that are above 20% are Cup and Hawkinson. Then you have Eckler 20 and Barkley 20. So like I thought the running back uh ownership would be spread out and it was i mean and it was it's just it a was. matter of getting the right two running backs because matt the madison thing like if Ma- if dalvin cook was ruled out two days ago like on thursday like madison on DraftKings would have been way more than 14 percent owned in the in the in the 20 dollar milli like way now on FanDuel he was 5200 so like you you play you i mean that there was there wasn't an option there i mean <laughs> Like FanDuel, you had too much money. I, I mean, I, I played the Broncos defense in FanDuel cash, and they were the most expensive defense, only because I I didn't have any money to like, like I'm I'm playing I'm playing Barkley's six K on FanDuel, Madison's fifty two hundred, right? You're sitting there going like, what? I, I could just I could play wherever I want at this point. I hate FanDuel. played Mixon because why not? He had the workload sixty seven hundred. Then you could play. You could still play Cup, and you could play. Waller or Kelsey, and you could pay up everywhere. I mean, the only the only thing that 
that I missed on on my FanDuel cash lineup was my la- my choice. My last choice was either to play Robert Woods or Mike Williams. And I played Robert Woods for, for as far as since I was already playing Cooper Cup. I'm like, let me not make a mistake here. And just like, if it goes either way, right. If it becomes a Robert Woods game, if I have both of them, I don't have to worry about it. Now I cashed in everything. So it's not, it's not like, not like it mattered anyway. I would just probably won a couple of more of my head to heads. Uh, but like FanDuel was a joke this week. I mean, FanDuel, I mean, you could, if you're, if you're playing like $4,500 tight ends and wide receivers, I don't know what you were doing on FanDuel. The pricing was just, just ridiculous. But here it, like from the, to me, the running back position was the hardest position because it felt like you had a lot of choices, but none like stood like other than like Madison, I guess, but none from a projection versus ownership perspective stood out dramatically over others. The, the, the one I had the most exposure to was Najee Harris. And of course I lucked out there. Right. But I, he was never in good line. He wasn't in like, he was one of those, oh, I got, I got, you know, he, he was like 7% owned and I have like him in a quarter of my lineups, but he still needs to get in the lineups that have like Cooper Cup and Mike Williams and, and, and another running back that does a crap, you know, like that type of thing, Madison and those lineups. Uh, but it felt, it felt like running back, there were a lot of choices, but it still felt like I, it felt like you could play three running back lineups, running back flex. But I still thought that the four wide receiver lineup in general for GPP was more worth it. But I mean, I, I let, I let in my, in my 150 build for the slant, like a quarter, a quarter of my lineups had RB flex. And a lot of times I, I almost exclusively go wide receiver flex, but, but pretty much only because there were just so many running backs to choose from. And I figured some of these guys are going to put up 20 plus points and some of these guys aren't. But I don't know which ones they're going to be, so I want to, I want a wide swath of exposure to them. The problem came is that if I wasn't using running back flex, I would, you know, obviously my running back exposure kind of goes down. So that, that's why, like, like that running back position to me, like I think I had like fourteen running backs in my pool. It varied various degrees. Like I think I had Kamara in like three lineups, or Jonathan Taylor in two lineups, or Damian Harris in a lineup one two something like that. But in that like 6K range, like I had 20% Clyde edwards Alaire. I had 20% Mike Davis. I had 20% Lenny Fournette because I thought the running backs, like you did it with Michelle. I had like 6% Michelle. But to me, the, the, the negative correlation of that game busting is that the running game works yeah. on either side of the ball. Yeah. But like, so like I, I went with, with, with Fournette instead of Michelle. So like there were a lot of cheaper running backs there. And then the amount of high-end wide receivers that Warren Cooper Cup were were like nearly infinite. I mean, Cup. I had Cup. I don't know what you had him at. I projected my aggregate or whatever had Cup at like twenty six percent owned, and even at twenty six percent owned, he was still showing up in like sixteen to eighteen percent of my lineups. So yeah, like I, I still had I still had Cup, but if I counted, if I thought if I knew he was going to be thirty three percent owned, like he may have only showed up in like nine percent of my lineups. I mean, it results wise, I mean, yes. So I had more Cooper cup than, than even though he was a high owned player, I still had a lot in a lot of lineups, but had I known the ownership, I wouldn't have like that. That's how I have, have to judge things. Like just like Eckler, like I think I had I, I, Eckler in like 16 to 18% of my lineups, but had I known he was going to be more like 20% owned, 
he would have been in more like 10 to 11% of my lineup. Like, like it, like Najee Harris, if I knew he was going to be 7% owned and not like I projected him at like 11 or 12, he would have probably gotten into like 30 to 32% of my lineups rather than 25 or 26. So like, those are the types of things that I like looking at, but did, did you, did you feel like running back wise, like if you selected two running backs that totaled uh, a grand total of like 12,000 in salary around like something like that, 12 to 13,000 in salary, you, you could, I mean, essentially any two of them would, I wouldn't have called you nuts. In, I'm talking about for GPP for pairing together. Yeah, they're just there are so many running backs. And the thing about running back this week, I, I think that the reason why it, it was built out that way, like I didn't have a single running back projected over 20 fantasy points. Not a single one. I had Derrick Henry as the top overall projected running back at 19.88. Uh on the flip side of that for for wide receivers, I had five wide receivers projected over 20 fantasy points and I just think that it, it was one of those round robin weeks at running back, right? Like you have Chris Carson, Jonathan Taylor, Alexander Madison, Damian Harris, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Tyson Williams, Juan Barkley. Like, did you have Tyson Williams on? I didn't. Got, that was that that flummoxed me in cash game. Like in the massive five dollar double up, Tyson Williams was fifteen percent owned, and I I didn't I didn't get it at all. And then I looked at the. At the, the GPPs, you go to Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams. Like in the in the 555 milli, he was 5% owned. In the main milli, he was 13%. And the play action, he was 15%. I mean, is was there was there a place talking about? I mean, like either like he didn't project well anywhere that I looked at all. I mean, I played Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar came in lower than. What I, I thought Lamar Jackson would be the highest owned quarterback on the slate. And he wasn't, he was like not even in the top five and Tyson yeah. Williams shows up as, as, as more owned than half the other. I mean, more owned than anyone else in that range. And I go, well, I mean, it's, it's not based on projections at least. I mean, I, I, I look at everything around the industry. Tyson Williams is like, like the 16th highest point per dollar run. I mean, like what, why, do people just, I mean, are we talking about the low stakes that people are just like, oh, Lions defense, bad run. Let me play the running back, even though, even though they have, they have, they have four guys that run the ball. I mean, it's a three headed backfield and Lamar Jackson. So like, I don't know. I, 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 I thought maybe it was just me, but I mean, I saw other people saying the same thing. Like why is Tyson Williams 15% in cash? It's, it's a weird one. I, I had him project 14 fantasy points. Uh, I had I, projected at 4% owned. I had him projected at six. Okay, so that's what that, but that's the point that I'm making. Like Gronk, I had to bump up. Like Gronk is someone that, like, based on all mathematical competency, you know, sensibility, his projected ownership should be like four percent. But like, I bumped him up to twelve. Yeah, seven. Right. So no, I well, I I, recency bias. All those like Melvin Gordon gets a little bit. I mean, yeah, Rondell Moore, like. Like Rondell Moore was like uh, like projected in most places at five percent, and I just bumped him up to like eight or nine. Sure, yeah, right. But I mean, in the Excellent. play action, Ron uh, Gronkowski was fourteen percent owned. In the twenty dollar milli, he was eleven point five percent owned. And this is this is at fifty five hundred. Yeah, this is this isn't like cheap Rob Gronkowski. 
So it's like, those are the types of things that to me, it's like the manual ownership, like, because if I put in Gronkowski at 4%, he's going to show up in Brady stacks. Yeah. Like he's going to show up. Like if I play, you know, 12 Brady stacks, he may show up in six of them. But if I put him at like, if I put him at 12% owned, he may not even show up in any. I mean, like he may be yeah. one of them because he's just over owned for his projection. Well, and he's he was over owned for his actual ability to be a top overall scoring tight end. Uh, that's kind of the thing about tight end. Like when I run my models, because I have them to show how often, since I run simulations, how often a player is going to be the top finishing in the position. Uh, a tight end is like, there's usually one, two, maybe three tight ends that actually have a chance to be the top overall scorers within their own standard deviations. Like if Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey are on a slate, that's who has a chance to be in the top finishing. Uh, Darren Waller had like a 76% chance. Travis Kelsey had a 24% chance in this spot. Uh, and then there's scraps for the rest. Tyler Conklin had 20 points. He, he did was in my Kirk cousin. He was in my cousin stats. Yeah, Tyler Conklin, man. Uh, I had Tyler Conklin project for four point six fantasy. <laughs> so I mean, things like that happen. Um, but it's interesting. Well, Conklin, People... you have to understand that Conklin gets a bump. Number one, because I'm playing Viking stacks, mm-hmm. and also number two is that he gets he gets a relative value boost off of Madison. Right. Yeah, like, and like, there's like, more red you zone. You have to understand, like, to if go... I were to play a secondary correlation. And I'm already going to have like Cooper Cup in that lineup. Yeah. I'm not going to play Alexander Madison, but Conklin gets a small boost because he's negatively yeah. correlated to touchdowns that Madison would score. Exactly. So he would be more likely to appear in non-Madison lineups. But if if neither, if if the uh if nothing's correlated or anything like that, then he's just like he's projected just as any other. You know, he could be Jack Doyle for all it matters, right? I mean, like right. Really, Conklin only appears in lineups with Kirk Cousins or with uh, Metcalf or Lockett or, you know, like. Right. Like if, if, and if, if and actually, that, he's, he's not going to be in any lineup. It, it would have been like a, a nice thing in my Minnesota lineup had I gone Conklin instead of Thielen. And I did. I, I thought about it after the fact, you know, just reviewing my own lineups said, OK, well, because I had Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen made it so that I needed to pay down at tight end and pay kind of like this down weird mid range at running back. Um, had I paid down at for Conklin, then I would have been able to pay in a different area for running back or whatever. Like Conklin was actually a pretty good play. especially because people like, so Dalvin cook was out yesterday. It gets declared out. And then people have to think about, okay, well, what does that mean for the rest of the team? Uh, well, it obviously means that Alexander Madison is going to be getting, uh, the lion's share of the, uh, running back work most likely. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to get a large majority of the receiving work. Uh, that receiving work can go to people who run within that kind of a dot range that closer to the line of scrimmage range. At least that's how I think about it. So Tyler Conklin would be somebody who would be getting, be getting that small boost. He would also be getting a boost in the red zone since Dalvin Cook is involved in the passing game in the red zone. So those closer line of scrimmage guys, um, I probably should have been high, higher on Tyler Conklin, to be honest. No, I don't think that's um, a mistake. But I, mean, I, I don't the, think. I mean, Alexander is... Madison, essentially, like if you took your Dalvin Cook projection and just put it on Al- Alexander Madison, that's exactly what happened. 
But, well, yeah, but that's not usually what happens. We've well, of course not. Them. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying you don't second guess the Tyler Conklin thing. I, my question for you is in the power sweep. Like you, you, you play three lineups into the power sweep, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, how many entries? That's a what the power sweep, the main one around five k, five k entries. Yeah. Do Do you believe that at five k entries, playing any the two two expensive wide receivers? Because I'm assuming your run back is is Metcalf or Lockett. It was Metcalf. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't you think that like, if, if you're talking about a lineup for like a 500 person contest, yeah, like that's fine. But even at 5,000, like I'm less like, I don't, I don't run it. Once a, once a wide receiver is like over seven K, mm-hmm. like he can't be run with any other wide receiver. That's like five K or more. Like, that's why I can understand uh cousin stacks that have like one of Thielen or Jefferson and then Osborne. Right or or Conklin because they're they're cheaper pieces and then when you put in Metcalf or Lockett you still have enough money to actually pay and not punt anywhere else and then make secondary correlations uh, in the really small field yeah I get it. in the really small field feel free to overstack if you wanted to play if you wanted to play Cousins Madison Jefferson uh, Conklin Osborne Metcalf like if you wanted to do the whole thing like that's fine in the really small field stuff but but. I I like in that in that specific lineup, like I can't see the rest of the lineup projecting well enough that it's worth the correlation of two like sixty seven hundred dollar Thielen plus seventy two hundred seventy four hundred whatever he was mm-hmm. Jefferson. I just it's hard for them to like to both get there because they both re- I mean really if you take a look at at, at yesterday what Jefferson had like twenty nine. And Thielen had 15, 17, yeah. 17 or whatever. Like, like that's really for the double stack. That's really not, not enough. I mean, that's, that would be good for really like for a 300 person field, you got there. Like that's perfectly fine. But, but for, for mid, mid-sized field, like you'd rather have Jefferson have 38 and Thielen have seven and then he'll only have one of them. And then Osborne's four may not even matter. You may still win oh. with an Osborne four in that case, or obviously you get Conklin. If Conklin, let's say Conklin only had eight, it's the tight end spot. Who gives a crap? I mean, like you could still win with that. So I, to me, the lineups that you made, even for the power sweep, like I'm less inclined to build, like I'm less inclined to build Wilson Metcalf Lockett stacks. I'm yeah. less inclined to even Godwin Evans, even though they're cheaper, like in the six K range that like Allen and Mike Williams, like, like at least I see them once. Once they're both in, like once you're paying like twelve five total or below, mm-hmm. like in that range, I there's there's muddy water. Then it's like okay, I could see in a high scoring game that they could do that. But like Josh Allen to me is easy. Like I do Allen plus Diggs, and then Beasley and Sanders are typically under five k, and it's like okay, this is easy, right? Yeah, like 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 the Allen stacks I made were like I get those. It's these double stacks of like even Brown Andrews with Lamar. To me, was fine because they're both under six k, right? Even if you, if you're building Shep, like I built uh, Jones, Shepard, Engram, or something. Okay, mm-hmm. like that. Do, do, do you believe? I mean, obviously you don't because you did it, or maybe uh, that, to me that to me it's not the projection stuff; it's the construction stuff. Of I'm not sh- I'm not sure. Like I said, I don't know the answer answer, but I'm I'm not sure if that playing two high priced receivers together is is an optimal for a ceiling 
in contests that are more than like like a thousand, two thousand people in it. Yeah, like you you still double stack. You just take the take some play Gerald Everett in that Seattle lineup. Don't play choose Metcalf Everett. Do, do, and especially if you can fill a tight end spot, which unless you're playing Kelsey or Waller or something, you like you're. It's essentially a wasteland yeah. anyway. So just why not hope the quarterback throws a tight end? You know, play play Dawson Knox, and you go. Well, it'll be give me eight points, and I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so here, here's the thing that I did to Minnesota lineup. Um, one, I know that I wanted to build the Minnesota lineup to directly leverage Alexander Madison Chalk. Remember, I thought that Mad- Madison was going to be like thirty percent out. I didn't. Right, I didn't I, think... right, I didn't. I had him at. I had him at at, at eighteen. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know how you could project him for that high ownership in GPPs with the news really like with literally. We didn't even know if Dalvin Cook was going to be active or inactive. Well, because I think was, it would have been wouldn't it have been more? It would have been a nice test if Cook was active and then see what the ownership would have been, yeah. even if Cook wasn't going to play. Remember that Cook he's been doubtful since Friday. I mean he he's been doubtful, and there's yeah, but, been a but, lot. Uh, most projections around if if number one the two I'm going to make the the case two different ways. Sure, for the casual players. Like he, well, he's not out. I mean, like he's not until he's ruled out, like he still looks like a good play. Right. And then for, if you, if you like the blitz and roto grinders projections, like until he's, until he's actually like, he's doubtful, but we still got to project him. So like the entire, until Sunday morning, Alexander Madison didn't have a projection. He had a back, he had a three point backup projection and Dalvin cook had a normal workload projection so it's like if you were building lineups before Sunday morning, like you you don't have Alex, like unless you purposely did it, which unless you purposely took Cook out and then made Alexander Madison have a whatever twenty point projection, like you didn't do anything. And I, and I always believe that Sunday morning, like people don't react enough to to that type of news unless it's Raheem Mostert. Apparently, I was uh, just gonna right? say, that, but they like the only do. That that's but ever they done that do. Way. That's that's the thing. I think, and you have been wrong on that thought once this year, and right. now I have been wrong on that thought once this year of how much people are reacting to news. So, however you want to think about it, I I thought that Madison was going to be higher. So, what I wanted well, to technically, do with technically, James, the move for the the Madison ownership. This I'm I'm re- I'm making a really I'm you're thin, really thin, going thin. for it. The, the 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 delta between Alex Maddox, Alexander Madison's projected ownership uh-huh. was higher than Raheem Mostert's because Madison, uh, if Hook was in, would have been like 0.2 percent owned, right? Uh-huh. So Mostert at least was going to be owned regardless. He was going to be 18 percent owned, and then he got up to like 30. So we Madison, had him, we didn't we had him at like 10 percent anyway anyway. But but you know, I'm just I'm making a point of like Alexander Madison. People, I mean, we see this in baseball, James. Dude, you could look the the weather. You could look at Kevin Roth's reports, and, and it says this game will be postponed. Like people will not take out any people will not take out anything until it's officially done. Or you could read his report and go, they're going to late start this. It's going to rain for about an hour, and then it's all clear. So as long as they have every attention of playing this game. Like they could perfectly play this game and it's going to look horrible at seven o'clock, but at eight o'clock, it's all clear. It's a beautiful night and set, you know, six fifty five comes around. 
and you get that notification. Someone, you know, the, the Boston, New York is in a, you know, the, the, the rain delay, right? That's 10 minutes before lock or 15 minutes before lock. And like everyone just goes X and then X is out like until that happens, right? If it didn't happen, if they didn't late start, no one would care about the, oh, they're going to play through rain and it's just normally owned. So like those are the type of dynamics that I see that, that like Alexander Madison was not, if you listen to a show on Thursday, no one talked about Alexander Madison. We're talking about Dalvin Cook being a pretty good play against the Seahawks, right? And then by Saturday, it's like, well, if Cook misses, Madison looks good on FanDuel. So it's just like people just don't react. It's, it's obviously the aberration was Raheem Mostert, right? Yeah. This is the way it normally is. So I couldn't see how you could possibly on DraftKings project them for more. If you tell me 22%, okay. But I mean, I, I couldn't see him getting up to 30 or 30, 35 with, with less than 24 hours notice. I will disagree with you. Yeah, but I was right. I ended up being you, right. You were right. That's fine. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind being wrong about it. I'm just talking through my thoughts of why I built my lineup the way that I did. No, no. You built your line. If, 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 well, it's one of those things. Remember, like I'm saying, like, oh, Cooper Cup is way more on than I thought he was going to be. Like that, like if you knew that Madison was only going to be 20% owned, 18% owned, you knew that the relative value of that leverage stack is worth a little bit much less. And I likely don't have Thielen if I think that he is only going to be 20%. Because Thielen was a conscious play here. Not not necessarily the double stack. Like, I was going to double right, stack. Well, Thielen, Thielen takes touch. Basically, Thielen is the touchdown. Like, he sucks touchdowns. from Exactly. Exactly. So, that, that was the thought here. The thought was not to double stack and get a whole, like... I, I didn't expect both Jefferson and Thielen to have over 100 yards. I expected to say, okay, in this contest, it's 5,000 entries. If 25 to 30% of people have Alexander Madison, and Alexander Madison likely needs to have a touchdown to get there within his range of outcomes. Obviously, he got there because he had 112 rushing yards and a whole bunch of receiving work. Whatever. That's besides the point. Likely, Alexander Madison needs to score a touchdown or two in order to actually kill me in GBPs. So if 30% of the field has him, and I think that he needs to score touchdowns in order to actually kill me, I'm going to take the person who is most likely to take those touchdowns away from him with Adam Thielen. Uh, Oh, I thought you were going to say Tyler Conklin. (laughs) No, not Tyler Conklin. (laughs) Uh, Even though Conklin, I I could have gone that route with Conklin. And and I admit that as well. Um, And I I, did that in cash. No, I, your reasoning is sound like in cash games, like in like my DK cash lineup heading into four o'clock, like to me, it either was going to be the most ingenious switch ever or going to going to die because yeah. I I had Madison, I had Cup, I had Woods, I had Godwin. OK, so I had four spots with a running back spot to, and Madison and Madison. So Madison, Cup, Woods, Godwin. Right. And I'm behind Cup and all these guys are other. Woods is the lowest stone out of the bunch. And all these three other guys are like going to be forty five to 75% though. Like the yeah. other three, Madison Godwin Cup was the stone chalk. Yeah. So like Woods, I don't mind because Woods is negatively correlated to Cup. So I don't mind keeping him. But how do I get now? How do I get fit all these spots? You know what? Perf- it perfectly fit. I, I almost, I, I didn't plan it out, but it did. So instead of playing Madison, I play Fournette, which is leverage against Godwin, right? Then I take, I take Cup and 
God went out and I played Jefferson and Thielen, which is negative leverage against Madison, right? Like it, like, and Woods is negative leverage against cut, like all the chalk guys, their ceilings are hurt when the other guys score. But of course they scored. So like it didn't, it's brilliant. It's very, I mean, Jefferson and Thielen actually had pretty good games. I mean, I was like, okay, I'm good. Okay. Madison's yeah. 25 points. Like, like there's no comp, there's, there's no way I could have cashed. No, you lost I lost, right. There's, there's no swap yeah. that I could have made. Oh, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have made instead Metcalf instead of Jefferson. And then Metcalf and the Seahawks did nothing the second half anyway. So so it's like, there's, those are the types of things. There's nothing I could have done. Because if I would have left it alone, I wouldn't have made it either. So like, there's, that's it. But I'm saying, but I understand exactly the point of, to me, Thielen is the most negatively correlated to, Madison, I agree, yeah. and especially at his ownership in comparison. If we take a look at Jefferson's ownership, Jefferson in the in the small millie, the regular twenty dollar millie was six percent owned. He was way more. He was double the ownership in the big millie. Yeah, he was eleven percent in power suite. Right, right. Yeah, well, in the big five fifty five, he was twelve percent. And then we take a look at Thielen. Thielen was actually owned similarly in the twenty dollar millie. But six percent in the five fifty five mil. But it's six percent ownership compared to Madison. See, the thing is, is that if you go by Madison, like you don't get enough like relative value. Like, like if Thielen is six, but Madison's only fifteen. I know that. Then, then it's it's then then it's not worth it. Anything. Then it's really not worth it. You'd rather take the much higher projected guy at running back. And the other point that I wanted to make about this lineup was that I was absolutely over leveraged on it. Like no, that's fine in the pay. You can, that's perfectly fine to do. I I'm, I am frustrated that I had so much because I had two players over 10% owned and I had three players over 5% owned. So who, who are your running backs in that lineup? I had Jonathan Taylor and Damian Harris. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Not, not that, way, that, yeah. way low. Yeah. And, yeah, and that was another that's, discussion that's what I, that I had. That's what I would, I would have changed. I would have like, if I'm going to play that, that Minnesota Vike, like that lineup like that, I would have been more likely to play Barkley or Clyde Edwards, like play, play chalkier running backs that, that have a, because those two guys didn't even have good, like, well, they had they good protections. Fine, they had, they were they had like, we'd much rather play Najee Harris there and say play Mixon, even if it fails. I mean, just saying, like, I don't think, yeah, you didn't have and, to get that different at running. And back. I agree. And that's that's what I said. Like, I was over leveraged and I wanted to get more ownership at running back. I absolutely should have gone Saquon Barkley instead of Jonathan Taylor. Or I should have dropped down from Damian Harris to Clyde Edwards Hilaire and or Mike up. Davis, even. I mean, you're just like, we're like, Mike Davis wasn't like that owned. I'm, I'm not going to play Mike Davis this well, week. I played a lot of Mike Davis. That was, I, I cannot believe why he was so highly owned when we see that Cordero. highly owned Cordero how do you Patterson? Not project, James how do you not project tell me tell me how you don't project Mac Davis well at 5100 against the Giants I can tell you I can tell you hold on you you realize heading into headed into this week he he is the fourth in highest expected running back what what was his uh what was his projection well uh, what was his pro- I, I don't know I don't have it in front of me Okay, I, I had probably his, his, no. His projection was like fifteen something or something. I had him for twelve point three six. Okay, which is not terrible. Which is not terrible. No, it's not. But at fifty one hundred, like when Clyde Edwards-Helaire, I have projected at fifteen. I have Sony Michelle projected for eighteen. 
I have yeah, Sony Michelle. I had nothing where close to that. What are you getting? 18. Because the Rams love to run the ball in the red zone. I had Leonard Fournette project for 14. I had Melvin Gordon project for 14. Like I, I, Mike Davis was 21st overall in, in median projection. So playing him, like as much as there what, is. What, you're the only one because I could tell you around the industry, Mike Davis projected pretty, pretty good everywhere. Yeah, well, a 12.36 compared to 15 is like we we have a three-point difference. That's like a reception for 10 yards. Can I find this? Do we have projections? I think, what, 14.63? This is actual. So 2.3. Let me take a look at this. I have James White trying to go through the back. I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking at here because it says fantasy points, but I'm not sure that's the old projection. Because Madison's only 17 points. No, that can't be right. Okay, never mind. But don't you think that Mike Davis, number one at 5100, getting 60 plus percent of the rushing work, getting a double digit target share Mm -hmm. against the Giants? Mm He gets extra, he gets a little boost for being negatively correlated to Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. right? I, 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 truthfully, I've, I've no issue with me playing 20% Mike Davis. I, I think that Mike Davis at his price was not the worst play on the planet, but he's not somebody that I would have considered as like someone I wanted to play in one of my three lineups. Oh, oh he's not someone I want to play. Mike Davis what? is never what? someone I want to play. Even that, what even was that discussion? <laughs> No, 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 you don't. I'm talking about from a bias perspective. Like he's someone that you don't want to play. No, no, no. I don't but, have but a bias. The numbers say Mike that Davis. you should play. So, like, I, I don't have a bias against Mike Davis. He projects for no. I, I have a bias against Mike Davis. Mike Davis is awful. <laughs> I, but you I have also... to admit, you have to admit, James, that if Ceh went out mm-hmm. and gave, and put out and got six fantasy points, you wouldn't have been shocked. Like the fact that he got the hundred yard bonus even after fumbling the ball. He only caught two passes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to play. I didn't want to play him. I'm not. I'm not arguing against Ceh's projection. I'm I'm perfectly fine with. I applied 20% Ceh also, so I'm fine with that. But how? Other than the fact, I mean, to me, the 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 difference between Mike Davis and Ceh is just Mm -hmm. that obviously the Chiefs are better than the Falcons. But like, what makes Mike Davis that much different from Fournette or different from Michelle or different? Like, from to me, Mike Davis has has more has a higher target share than all of those other running backs. The only right. difference is that Mike Davis does, may not have the touchdown equity. And that's the big thing. I, I care a lot about touchdown equity. Atlanta going into last week only ran the ball 28% of the time in the red zone, in the red zone, 28% of the time. This they is barely not like, get there. So what does it matter? Right. So, but that's the point is like being able to project Clyde Edwards Hilaire better, even though, uh, Kansas City consistently has a very, very high pass rate. Even Kansas City has a higher run rate in the red zone this year, 35%. The Rams, the reason why Sonny Michelle projects so well is because the Rams run the ball 52% of the time in the red zone. And we know, we've talked about it before. I think we talked about it last week. Uh, running backs need to score touchdowns. That's like the thing for GPPs. If you can get a 5K running back that scores a touchdown and has 50 yards and four receptions, like you're happy. So being able to take a running back out of the pool like Mike Davis, who I just do not think is going to score a touchdown. Sony Michelle, what, 
Yeah, he's the Rams catch have an where, where, Where's Sony Michelle catching balls out of the backfield? He got he's like, not. He's not. But the Rams had a significantly higher chance of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Okay, that's what matters. I'm so, not saying Sony Michelle is a bad play. I'm just saying in general, like you, you can't tell me that, like, oh yeah, Sony Michelle. I'm okay clicking that button, but not okay clicking the, the Mike Davis button. I am because I have Sony Michelle able to actually score a touchdown. Yeah, but on what? On and 18 carries for 50 yards, no targets. He has, he has 11. Mike Davis got 11 points yesterday. He did. Okay. So did Sony Michelle without a touchdown. Well, and Mike Sony Davis Michelle has Sony Michelle has like a four four x chance better of scoring a touchdown than Mike Davis does. Yeah, but Mike Davis could get catch nine balls out of the backfield. But he did it. <laughs> but he can. He has right. a target. And- that so, Falcons team is a nightmare. How, how does Kyle Pitts run like a route on like 85% of plays and not get a target until the fourth quarter? Because Matt Ryan is retired. <laughs> no, no, Ben Roethlisberger. They're both retired. Are we getting to the point where any any defense against the Steelers is just... Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this this is why I've been so low on Najee Harris coming into the year. And, like, that might be... Well, that, are you higher on him now? Because he, Ben can only throw the ball six yards. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if he's going to get, like, 40 targets per game, yeah. Uh, but that was the reason why I was so low on Najee Harris and that offense in general. It's like, dude, Ben Roethlisberger has been contemplating retirement for five years. For, for like half a decade this dude has been falling apart and everybody's like oh yeah well look at the target share for Deontay Harris or for Deontay Johnson look at Juju Smith-Schuster he has a TikTok account Chase Claypool can run the ball too in the red zone Najee Harris got drafted like 27th overall it's like what about Ben Roethlisberger what about like the guy who has to like distribute the ball to all of these guys. How are you drafting all these people when Ben Roethlisberger is basically like a walking crutch at this point with an arm that barely works. And then week three, his arm is working less because he has a pec injury now. So the, the, also to be fair with not, he not Harris's uh, outcome. Like Deontay Johnson was out. Juju right. got hurt. Like who else do they have? What? Ray Ray McLeod running routes. I mean, like what, like James Washington, who hasn't been able to get open since Nam. Like, I know they're just going to throw the ball to Najee Harris. So situations like that. I mean, we saw it with, uh, with Saquon Barkley, his rookie year, the giants were a train wreck, but Saquon Barkley was still very, very good for fantasy because like they they didn't have anything. That's also Eli Manning also. Well, and, and Eli, well, is Ben Roethlisberger better than what Eli Manning? No, Manuel? no, no, but I'm just saying with, with Barkley, like, compared to Daniel Jones now, like, I, 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 I'm I maybe one of the few that rates Barkley kind of a little bit like that, a little bit less. I think the data from with, when he was with Eli Manning oh, bro, doesn't I hold agree. up with Daniel Jones. Not because, and I don't, it's not even because I think Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Eli Manning, is that Daniel Jones is more likely to, scramble run the ball and th- also throw deeper yeah i agree and more like more likely to hit sterling shepherd than eli manning who is basically drop back for two seconds if the first read doesn't work dump it off to barkley yeah which is now just ben roethlisberger uh yeah it's it's just kind of the same situation uh, like you nailed it uh, he just steps back ben roethlisberger is now so slow and so broken that he can't throw the ball 25 yards down the field, even if Chase Claypool is open. So like, he just has to dump off Najee Harris at this point. And 
Uh, that might lead Najee Harris to a great fantasy season with Steelers going like four and 13 or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know. Does that offense, let me ask you this. Does that offense get better if Ben Roethlisberger misses time with Mason Rudolph at QB? Like what I, I, I actually, I probably, I, it has to get, how, how does it not get better? Right. How sad is that? Like we used to take defenses against Mason Rudolph snap decision. It was like a snap push as soon as Mason Rudolph was like declared. Yeah, but that Mason owner, Rudolph isn't that bad. If it was Nathan Peterman, that's a when David Carr. Oh, that one was even Carr better. Remember Nathan Peterman and that infamous six interception game? It was like the first six passes of his career. <laughs> well, okay. Last thing before we get out of here, uh, what was your projection? This is I because I. T- t- starting on Thursday or Friday, later in the week, mm-hmm. he was getting steamed, if you want to call it steamed. In the- sure. I yeah. didn't, I couldn't see how you got his projection up to a point where it mattered enough for GPPs, especially on Justin Fields. Oh, my, People my were asking me about this on like Friday and Saturday going like, are you having field? How many field stacks you have? And I'm like, the Bears have the third lowest team total on the entire slate. And um, am I going to play a rookie? Co- and, and pay, what double stack with, oh, Mooney, Komet, Robinson. It's like, dude, we have five games with 50 plus totals. Why am I, why am I even playing the bear? I don't, I, that's the thing that I, that's basically the thing that I didn't get. I, oh, he's 5,200 and he has rushing upside. So, I, okay, I get it. But why are we stacking this game? Why are we why are we doing Fields plus two guys and Beckham and OBJ back? And I I'm like, and there's no projection set that I look at that makes that lineup like anywhere close to projection. So like that that's I was confused about. I was confused. I mean, dude, Justin Fields in some of the higher stakes cash games was like twenty percent owned, and I'm wondering like like why? Like play Daniel Jones if anything for six hundred more. Or just go up and play Lamar, like you know, play like like a grown adult would. You know, you don't you don't you can pay up a quarterback now. I had I had Daniel Jones projected like legit good. I had legit I had Daniel Jones projected for twenty eight because his rushing market share is in like it's like thirty six percent or something through the first two weeks, obviously. But like if they want to keep letting him run, Daniel Jones projected really well. So I yeah absolutely agree with that. I had Justin Fields projected for fifteen point six. Like, and that's trash. Uh, for, for reference, I had, uh, who's another bad quarterback? I had oh, you probably had Carr for more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had Carr for 22. I had Bridgewater the, for more. Right? Jacoby Brissett for 16.9. And Jacoby Brissett until overtime didn't throw the ball past three yards. Right? And he was cheaper. So, right. th- like, Justin Fields, the, the thing that I said on my stream on Saturday with the Bears – I know that people are excited about Justin Fields. I know that he has upside. I know that people are stoked on it. But, like, when he was announced, that line did not move an inch. They did not move an inch. They did not become better. They didn't get any movement on their line. The over-under went down. Like, if Vegas thinks that Andy Dalton to Justin Fields is worth less value to us for DFS – you should listen to Vegas. Like Fields, Fields might be good. Fields might be awesome. Nagy sucks bad. That <laughs> offense is trash. 
And like, I, I don't, it's kind of how I talked about with, uh, with Jalen Hurts, which has been wrong up to this point for sure that if Philadelphia doesn't build an offense around Jalen Hurts, it doesn't matter that he has a lot of upside with his legs because we see it with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones might be a legit good upside quarterback, but Jason Garrett's a Neanderthal. So like we, we, we don't see it. We might not see it with Justin Fields because Matt Nagy has like the offensive coordination of a fifth grader playing out in the field. It doesn't make any sense. So right, you no, can say I, the same thing for Trey Lance. I'm assuming the first Trey Lance start will, they'll, that ownership will be up and it's like, well, you're dealing with Shanahan and Lance will have three, he'll, he'll, he'll end up be a pocket passer and hand the ball off 40 times. And he'll throw the, and he'll throw the ball 17 times. He'll have 15 completions for 160 yards and they'll win the game by 40, but it doesn't matter because there, there are certain spots that are dead zones. Um, and the Bears, I'm very surprised that people were super high on Justin Fields, 20% owned. I saw some really respectable people talking about Justin Fields and how they used him in cash. I'm like, why? Well, that's I don't why, know why. I, I, That's why I wanted to confer with you that maybe, like, like it's the same thing with the Tyson Williams. It's like, is the, the, it the wasn't other mathematical. I mean, I take a look at ours. I take a look at the Blitz. I take a look at other, and I subscribe everywhere. So to, to, to do to, the sanity check stuff. And like the sanity check, Justin Fields, I go around and I go, go, dude, like he's like, he doesn't even project well in like place. I mean, yes, he's, he's in the cheap range. He brought, I, I think he had a better projection than Jacoby Brissett, but like, I don't, not much more like, like, not like nothing that like, if you were going to pay down, he paid, he played Daniel Jones. If anything, he had a like several point higher projection in every place that I saw. Yeah. And that's why, but the same thing with Tyson Williams. It's like, like, Mathematically, I it doesn't make sense. The ownership. Right, you do projections at least, so I'm lo- I'm looking at other people's stuff. So like, like, well, how did they get it wrong? And if, if you're saying that that you had Jacoby Brissett projected better than Justin Fields, then it's like, okay, well, I guess there's my there's my sanity check. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. I I think that a lot of people kind of fall into wanting things to work out, and because I don't even watch games unless I have a sweat going. And I just want to like enhance my sweat. Like I watched the end of the game last night because I was in 25th in, in the 222. And I wanted to like, I needed Jimmy G and I was, I was like, all right, he gets a chance here. And then uh, he fumbled. <laughs> so I turned it off, but uh, I, I just build based on a spreadsheet and based on a spreadsheet, like Justin Fields is going to project badly. The bears had one of the lowest implied team totals. Uh, they don't pass. That Matt Nagy's an idiot. The Browns are a good defense. They play keep away. There weren't going to be a lot of plays in the game. Like nothing mathematically said that Justin Fields is a good play. Uh, okay. Let's get out of here for now. I, I got stuff to do. Uh, programming note. There will be no DFS pregame show tomorrow. No, none tomorrow. So if you show up there, there won't be a thumbnail. There won't be a show. There won't be nothing there. So just, I didn't die. Right. But I guarantee I'm going to get like seven DMs. Like where at eleven ten or something? Where where's the show or something like? I, there is no show tomorrow, uh, but uh, but James, uh, people can find you at paydirtdfs.com. Yep, paydirtdfs.com, and you can find me on Twitter at paydirt underscore dfs. Yes, and uh, obviously we're both the co-authors of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got the 
showdown, showdown slate. I don't know. It's Will and someone else. It's, it, it normally it would be me, but I'm not on tonight because uh, I'm off. And uh, so click there. Uh, what, anything else today? No, we just got the premium stuff. Tomorrow, I've uh, got the first look. Stuff. This, it's NFL content. It's all the time, right? And then basketball will be back in like three weeks. So there's content all the time here on the YouTube channel, as well as in Roto Grinders Premium. Click on the link, get 10% off your first month. But I will be back Wednesday, so there's no show tomorrow. I'll be back Wednesday at 11 o'clock Eastern for another edition of the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>